Well, uh, hey, how are you all? It's so weird, isn't it? You know, being apart and being distanced and wearing these and uh, just being led in worship so beautifully and having to kind of restrain it. It's, it's almost like most of the time we're saying, go church, go church. And yet in this season, we've had to be like, Aah. so anyway, the end is in sight. So well done. And just as we were praying then, I just felt such a beautiful sense of the Father's love for each and every one of you and for everybody who's connecting with this at home. It's well done, church. We've lived through the craziest of days, and yet here you are with all the restrictions and limitations pitching up to connect with God. And Father's just saying, I love you. Well done. I'm proud of you. Good job. And what I'm going to talk about this morning is experiencing intimacy with Father. I'm excited because I really believe the Holy Spirit is going to release this afresh for you all. Not because I'm special, but because there's nothing that God loves more than revealing the power of his love and changing our lives, changing our hearts, that we might simply reflect him wherever we go. Experiencing intimacy with Father. And this passage has a couple of really different connection points with our lives. I don't know if you caught it when Paddy read that, right in the heart of the passage. It says, when we cry Abba, Father. When we cry, Abba, Father. Abba being, uh, you know, a, a term for dad, father. You know, an intimate child to a parent terminology. Paul writes to the Roman Christians, he says, when we cry, Abba, Father. And if you've never known the closeness of almighty God, who created the universe, who put planets in the galaxies of the heavens above. If you've never known a closeness with him, then this is a great opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come crashing in with this. Because that's the simple truth. At the start of this passage uh, that we read in verse 12, so then, because of all the things Paul's been talking about, for the first seven and a bit chapters, eight and a bit chapters of the letter of Romans, because of what we've just been singing about, that Jesus Christ, as the Son of God and the Son of Man, came into the world because he laid down his life for you, David, and for you, Felicity, to connect us back to God, not only as a supreme supernatural being, but as our Father. So then... In view of all that, this is what he's done. That we might experience oneness and closeness with him. And why we've been going after intimacy in, uh, over the last few weeks is because it goes in the opposite to everything that we've lived through over the last year, doesn't it? It's like closeness and oneness has been smashed to bits. Keep everyone at a distance Cross the road if you're walking near a neighbor. You know, come to church and, and be this far apart. 
I know that some of us have loved it. <laughs> but actually, it's so false because it, it, it's just living out disconnection and distance, which is the very opposite spiritually of what Christ has done. And that's been our experience for some of us in our faith as well. We felt dislocated and distant. You know, some of us are coming to worship at great cost because when we experience sorrow and hardship and suffering, the great chasm seems to open up of stuff in our hearts that makes us feel a million miles apart from closeness with God. We feel we can't hear his voice and we can't feel his presence. But that doesn't change the truth of what Jesus has done, which is to reconnect us by faith. And sometimes it is an act of faith. But by faith, to reconnect us back to Almighty God, who put planets in the skies and yet calls you, Adam, by name. You, Norman, as a son. And we get to cry back to him, Dad, Abba, Father. And I want to just give you this morning some keys as to how I have found experiencing intimacy with Father. So I want to give you some steps that I, I went through and then some keys from this passage. And what I pray is that it won't just be great knowledge, but actually as we come into land, that you will experience deeper closeness. If intimacy is a weird word that feels like a French kiss on the lips, do away with it. Union oneness no distance with father and that's what i'm um what i'm going after this morning is that all right so at 7 a.m we get the church staff team in to pray on a sunday and they hated us this morning because <laughs> that was really six o'clock <laughs> And we, we get in every, every Sunday morning, we pray for, for what God wants to do, and we just consecrate the church and our lives afresh to the Lord. And a couple of weeks ago, one of the team had what they felt was God speaking to them about what he was saying to us as a church. And it came in the words of a popular song. So the words go like this. Take my hand take my whole life too. How does it go? Because I can't help falling in love with you. And he felt this was God. This was Father speaking this to us. So even as I go on, pre go on to preach now, I'm just going to use that invitation from the Father. You can hum, I think. Take my hand, take my whole life too, because I can't help falling in love with you. Let's hope the bishop isn't watching this. Why don't we just sing that again, back to Father? Yeah? He's saying, take my hand. Why don't, we, why don't we pray that back to him?
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do a transaction with every one of us, wherever we are, whatever we're carrying, that you would reveal the depths and power of your love this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. See, I had to go through some steps to encounter intimacy with Father. Very logical steps. The first one was I needed to know where this was in the life of Jesus. I didn't want to just be wacky. Didn't want to just be a fruitcake for the sake of it. I needed to know where it was in the life of Jesus. Where was intimacy with Father in the life of Jesus? And nowhere will you find the word intimacy in the gospel. So we're looking for where is closeness with Father? Where is closeness displayed in his life? And I just began searching through the gospels. And you can do this as well. But I began to, uh, his baptism is an obvious one. Where the voice of the Father beams down. But I began to see what is, what is rooting Jesus how does, he, how does he say to Judas at the Last Supper, go now and do what you will? I'd be outraged. I'd be saying to the other 11, can you believe what he's going to do? I've poured into him for three and a half years. I've showed him my innermost heart. And yet Jesus is unmoved because he's being rooted by what? must be a sense of God's love which far out which enabled him to love a betrayer what about when he's surrounded by hostile authorities pressing in on either side you know people listening to his every word trying to trip him up you know looking for a foot wrong you know bringing him trials and snares you know your disciples seem to not obey the Sabbath law. You know, why do you, why do you do this? Why do you do that? When they bring him the woman caught in adultery, you know, it's a snare, isn't it? You know, what would you do? Well, I, you know, in myself, I'd be freaking out. Oh, here we go. We're in a, we're in a, we're in a test here. You know, and all your whatever, brain tightens up and your body stiffens up. But Jesus, you know, when they're gathered around with a woman caught in adultery, what does he do? Kneels on the ground. Writes in the dust. I think he's probably connecting with Father, saying, okay, how are we playing this one? You know, I began to see that Jesus just seems so rooted. Now, we know he's human, we know he gets hungry. We know he weeps in grief out when he hears the news of Lazarus' death. We know he's not Superman because he's laid aside his godlike qualities. 
That's what Paul wrote in Philippians 2. We know that. He's not just sort of floating like a sort of, you know, hippie on a sort of spiritual ganja plane. <laughs> you know, he, he's real in his humanity. And yet something seems to be giving him love where, which was out of, out of this world. So I began to see this. So that was my first step. What did this look like in the life of Jesus? And I began to see, oh my goodness, there is humanity energized by the love of the Father. You know, how many times does Jesus look up in delight and just say, wow, I can't believe you reveal the kingdom to such as little children such as these. He's just engaging with Father. Or when he's surrounded in the temple courts and he just <laughs> looks up and, and just talks to Father. You know, this unbroken connection with his voice, with his love, with his leadership. And I began to see that that's what it looks like for Jesus. The second step, is that all right? I began to just see it in the life of Jesus. Then I began to ask myself, is this legitimate for me as a human being, a non-Jesus? Is it legitimate? Is that a real expectation that I can live that out? Do we think? Well, Jesus is more special than us, isn't he? Well, he didn't have sin like we do. Is it? Yeah. Well, it seems to me that when I'm looking at real human beings who've been messing it up all the time, let's take Peter, the same things start happening. Peter, post-Pentecost, is arrested and thrown before the Sanhedrin. Do you remember? And they're like, oh, you mustn't do this. You know, you mustn't do that. They're threatening him. And Peter's like, I'm sorry, you can tell us all you like, but we cannot stop proclaiming about this Jesus. Suddenly, fear has just been completely displaced from this kind of jelly, you know, <laughs> bull in a china shop type character. I began to see if it's legitimate for Peter, and thank God for Peter, because how many of us can relate to him? If it's legitimate for him to be changed, it must be legitimate for you and I. Jesus, if he laid aside his deity when he was incarnated and became a servant, just as one of us, in human form, Philippians 2, then it must be possible for you and I to discover the depths and the riches of the love of God. How can those first disciples, when they were persecuted, just respond with such love? Stephen, when they're picking up the rocks to stone him to death, looks up into heaven and just sees Jesus and sees the Father, you know, and his face is full of glory. That's what I want to be like. So it must be legitimate for us, okay? So then if it's legitimate for us, who then, for you, John Miles, or for you, Richard Head, or for you, Tiggs Pearson Miles, or for you, Karen Ewan, then who could Father be to me? Who could he be? Because I know me, and you know you, so who could he be to me? I started to go through this step of thinking, well, what am I like? You know, what is my experience of intimacy? What's my experience of 
people in authority? What's my experience of being open and transparent to anybody, let alone God? Who could Father be to me? How could he show himself? My fourth step was, what buttons then are being pressed in me? I remember when Louise began talking about knowing God as Father a few years ago. The first reaction I had was quite a lot of anger. Basically because I felt like I was being reeled in. <laughs> and I was, I'd always avoided the mushy, like, like all the people who seem to know intimacy with Father seemed to just be a bit dweeby and a bit weedy. And I just didn't want to cry. <laughs> I just didn't. I was like, I liked football, you know. <laughs> I just didn't want to. And then I could feel some of the things that I needed to let Father come close to, rising up in me. And then it made me go, rah, out at Louise. So she was like, come and talk to you a bit later. <laughs> then when I got over myself, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, where did that come from? What buttons are being pressed in me? You know, if we've been through extreme pain, everything within us wants to hold God at a distance. Because what happens is, it's, whether we think it's God's fault or not, it's just like when I draw near to love, parts of my emotions rise to the surface, and I then just feel out of control, and I feel, I don't know what's going to happen, as well, and all of that. You know, sometimes people have come to our church who maybe haven't known God before, and they can be a bit freaked out just at, the, at what they say is how emotional it is. But it's not how emotional it is, it's what it's like when you come into the presence of God. And his love, and sometimes we just don't know how to process all of that. So the fourth step was I need to know what buttons were being pressed, and I, I needed for me to not recoil against the idea of intimacy with God. Because it says it here in the Word, doesn't it? When we cry, Abba Father. Not if you're one of those Christians who goes to a conference where everyone cries and gets out the tissues, when we cry, Abba, Father. So what is making me recoil? You know, sometimes people can think intimacy with Father, but what about reverence? What about awe? What about the holiness of God? Well, I'll tell you what I would say from my own experience is the closer I've got to God, the more awe and wonder he's revealed. Because the closer I've got to Father, the more convicted I've been when I've judged somebody, when I've brought whatever into his presence. I'm like, I don't want to fracture any of our union with any of my stuff. So it's made me more almost like treading softly in his presence, the closer that I've known him and felt his love. So we think that it's sometimes being too irreverent or not whatever, but I found the opposite. The closer I've got to him, sometimes like I'm so experiencing your love, I just don't want to almost breathe 
because I don't want to spoil who you are revealing yourself to me now, if that makes any sense. And um, yeah. And so the fifth question is, this all right? Where is this in the life of Jesus? Is this legitimate for human beings? What could this look like for me? What is making me recoil or pushing my buttons? And when they get pushed, I'm going deeper and I'm pushing through. I'm not going to be frightened of emotion. I'm going to find everything that I need to process what's going on, reach out to a brother or a sister, whatever it is. The fifth question is, do do you know, I felt God saying, do you actually want to know me as your intimate father? Do you actually want this? Do you actually want this? Because that is the first step, is saying honestly to Father, I want to know you without any holds barred. Any hidden places in my life, I want to know you in your fullness. Take me as I am. We've just been singing all the right stuff. Nothing held back. We are here for you, not on our terms, but on your terms. Is this all right? So now I just want to look at the passage because then I, I began to find a few keys um, and the sum right in these verses here for how experiencing intimacy with Father I found to be released. And how I'm going to go through these verses is almost looking at the opposite of what Paul is encouraging to help sharpen that for us. So verse 12, so then, brothers and sisters, in view of everything that's gone before, in view of all that God has done in Christ, so then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. What's going on here? We are debtors to someone. We're debtors to God. Now, how many of us here have ever owed a debt? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is that okay to admit? <laughs> um, we've just had a, a mess up on our southern water, um, doubled our water account over the last year um, for some reason. So. We've done nothing wrong, but somehow someone in the admin department decided to open up a new account and for whatever reason, transferred the letters which were going somewhere else suddenly to our house when it was sent to the debt collection company. I was like, whoa, 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 because they are coming for me. <laughs> there's, there's nothing that is going to stop them from claiming what they think is a debt. So anyway... We ironed it all out. No debt was owed, and it was a complete admin error. But suddenly, it's like, we are coming to your house in two weeks' time, and we are collecting items of your possession, 
<laughs> until this debt is cleared. So, so we are debtors not to our flesh, not to the past, not to our experience, not to our horrible childhood with whatever our experience was, not with our whatever. We are debtors to God. So there is God coming at us, and he's not going to stop coming until he reveals the power of his love to you and I. Does this make sense? So the first key from this passage is that I am not owned by my past. I really am not. Everything has been purchased and bought by the precious blood of Jesus, and now we are debtors to him. And so he's coming to redeem his debt in our hearts. He's coming to restore and bring everything that Christ has won to us and nothing will stop him. We're not debtors anymore to what's gone before. We're debtors to him. All right? So we're not owned by our past. God owns it all. Second thing, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Second key, okay? So if, if then we live according to who we are in our flesh or in our past or in our earthly experience, we'll die. Whatever God has done. But if we put that to death, we will live. So the second key is turning away from our fleshly desires for false intimacy. Okay? Sorry, that went a bit loud then. Is that okay? So I saw some years ago this, you know you see an arcade at Brighton or whatever, and it will show you amusements. If you take the um, linguistics of that word, a amusement. So a, someone is amoral, what does it mean? It means they're without morals, doesn't it? The a bit is like a, a without something or a subtraction or an anti or something like that. So what does muse mean? Sorry, is everybody okay? Is everyone all right? What does the verb to muse mean? To ponder. Um, and so when you see the sign amusements, and it's full of slot machines and those little things where you put 10p in, and it goes back and forth, and you try and get pushed out, you know, all those, um, and all of that, you are entering a zone which is designed to make you not think. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? And so, you know, it's great. Have some fun. I'm not being down on that <laughs> per se. But when we fill our lives with false intimacy, whatever it is, oh, I'm so stressed. Oh, let's just go and smash, you know, a big bar of dairy milk or whatever it is. Oh, I need a glass of wine. You know, oh, I just need to get away on holiday because COVID's been so stressful. You know, I don't know if anyone had holidays 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with traveling, and we love it as well, but it, it, it's not replacing true 
godly, spiritual, fatherly intimacy with a false earthly comfort. So by all means, enjoy a holiday, but enjoy it in oneness with Father, and then you'll come back properly rested. Does this make sense? So the whole activity of enjoying things can numb us down, make us not think or ponder. I love that, whoever said that. Ponder on the the grace, the beauty, the love, the magnificence of Father. Oh, just, yeah, just give me some time to myself. Well, after 12 months of COVID, no one needs any more time to themselves. (laughs) It's not doing anyone any good. (laughs) Because what we need is time with Father. Does this make sense? So just turning away from false, false intimacy to discover the truth of who he is. Is this all right? (laughs) Oh, it's good. Right, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. What defines a child of God? According to this, sorry. (laughs) This is, I'm not giving you deep mysteries. What did Paddy say? Eloquent things of the Lord. Just kind of reading what it says. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So how do you define a child of God according to verse 14? Someone who's led by the Spirit. So what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? It means I'm not leading myself. It means whether I'm working or playing, whatever I'm doing, I am seeking the voice of him to be my leader, brought to me because of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So I'm listening in. And when I say yes to that voice, suddenly I'm walking in my identity as a son or a daughter of God. Okay? So the third key is turning away from being led by ourselves. Fully yielded. Lord, let's just say we've had a bit of extra cash come in. Oh, fantastic. Can, you know, get that Airbnb cottage, you know, for a long weekend. Get away from it all and all of that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But what would it be like if we said, okay, Lord, okay, Father, how do you want me to use that bit of extra money? Make sense? Being led by the Spirit. So the third key is turning away from being led by ourselves. And, you know, that's a daily, lifelong thing. When we're busy, sometimes we can just autopilot. So it's like, boom, early in the morning, I don't want a single moment today to go by without me listening in for you, without me putting you at the front of my life. You're my leader. I'm going to listen in for your voice. And then... I've tended to find two things that are equally true. Number one, you'll have more hostility from the enemy and you'll have way more peace in God. (laughs) So enjoy. (laughs) Um, Right. (laughs) I've got to keep going because I want to pray. Is this okay? Are you sure? Great. Fourth thing is turning away from keeping God at a distance. Just turning away. We're not meant to have him at a distance. You know, I sometimes talk, you know, um, (laughs) 
I'm not going to look at people, some people might wryly smile, um, about how much they value liturgy. And certainly in, in this church, we don't do a lot of formal liturgy um, and all of that. But sometimes people will say, oh, you know, I, I love the liturgy. It may, you know, and, and it's great and it's wonderful and it's powerful and it's seasoned and I'm not having a go at it. Please don't hear that. But if the liturgy is in and of itself, then we can keep God at arm's length. And sometimes people can be reminded of childhood or nostalgic experiences and confuse that with the presence or confuse that with intimacy with God. But when the liturgy is used as an entrance to come into the reality of closeness and intimacy with Father, then boom, knock yourself out. Let's go for it. So please hear me. I wasn't being anti-liturgy, but I was saying, as a Church of England incumbent, it's like what our worship publicly and liturgically does is it gives us some seasoned, historical, spiritual, biblical stuff, but it's meant to be like, hello, and come on in. You know, remember how we finish a communion service? Um, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, send us out as living sacrifices to live and work for your praise and glory. It's good words, isn't it? Do you know how challenging and confrontational that is? What's a living sacrifice? It means send me out with no rights of my own because all of my life is laid down. Set our hearts on fire with love for you, says the daily office in the Church of England. I used to read it in college with my colleagues. I was like, are your hearts on fire? Because you look half asleep at the moment. <laughs> We're praying, set our hearts on fire with love for you. It's like pulsating. You know, if you set a fire blazing, it's just going to touch everything. That's what we're praying every day. So use it as an entrance room. Does this make sense? So turn away from keeping God at a distance and say, come on, Father, I'm in. I'm running towards you. And then, um, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You know, sometimes that's what can happen is, oh, you know, uh, you know, whatever. But a spirit of adoption that's brought us in. It's the radical, extravagant, scandalous truth of Christianity that you can call a cosmic, supernatural creator of the universe, a father, a dad. He's yours and he loves you and he wants you to know him with closeness all around him. That's the spirit of adoption grafted in, bought at the highest price into the father's heart that Jesus has come to make known and put on display. That's what he's come, that you and I would experience that and know it, and it would change us from the inside out. And when that happens, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We're meant to experience it because when we cry out, Dad, when we say Father, when we feel his love, it's the Spirit of God bringing the love of the Father from the throne room of heaven into your mortal body in such a way that your emotions and your spirit, your psyche can connect with it and say, wow, oh my goodness, 
you're a dad to me. And you provide for me. You protect me. You love me. You delight in me. Not so I can be selfish and mushy and cry, although sometimes, you know, it's okay to be, to be radically thirsty to know his love and to be mushy and to cry. But so that I can look and move like Jesus. So that when hostility comes or harassment comes or external challenges come or COVID comes and keeps me at a distance, I'm going to know that I'm never disconnected from the presence of a loving father who is perfect in all his ways and adopts an imperfect son of God and brings me right into his heart that I may walk with him spiritually forever and ever. It's, it's just what he's done. <laughs> and the whole world around me might feel frosty and icy and stunted and stilted and muzzled and whatever. And the whole of humanity may be suffering and disappointed and wah, whatever. But I am rooted and grounded in love. Hey. <laughs> And not so I can get off on that for myself, but so that I can be useful in the world. So that I can reach out, so that I can forgive the unforgivable in the eyes of the world. That I can reorientate the dynamics of my extended family and love where I'm rejected. Where I can reach out to the most grumpiest of neighbors and melt them by relentlessly smiling and relentlessly serving until they just cannot help but either move away to get away from that cheerful Christian who lives over there or they're going to have their hearts melted because I've loved them so fiercely. <laughs> I need to not describe this too much, but there is somebody who lives very close to us <laughs> who has one of those um, uh, Darwin stickers on their car. You know, the sort of, it's like a direct um, renovation of the fish symbol. What is it? It's like a, a dinosaur on a skateboard or something. And it's like, um, do, do you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm, I'm like, every time he walks by, I'm looking for his eye. And he's like, sort of walking by me like this. And, and so, you know, he's the guy we hit with baked goods. He's the guy, I'm like, I'm sort of looking at him, like smiling. It's <laughs> just like Cheshire cat the whole time. You know, hi, how you doing? <laughs> when he walks the other way. You know, it's just like, I'm going to melt that frozen heart of ice if it kills me. <laughs> and that's because I could be like, oh, he's not very nice. Oh, he's grumpy. Oh, yeah. Hang on a minute. Who put him in charge of how much I should love? <laughs> no. That's how much I should love so that I can go, ah, fantastic. Does this make sense? So we need the Father's intimacy so that we're actually useful in the world rather than just reflecting back the grumpiness, the despair, the judgment, the da-la-la-la. You know what it is. We don't want to be reflectors in the world. We want to shine something different. <laughs> I remember... Um, knocking on the door of um, a house of uh, a person somewhere, I try and not describe this too much, who flung open the front door. <laughs> My wife's a pagan witch. Why on earth have you come round to visit us? You know, how dare you send us a letter? 
<laughs> what did we do? We just went. <laughs> well, what do we do now? <laughs> and just melting aggression with just love. It's easy, isn't it? It's like Christianity 101. Bless those who persecute you. Yeah, you got it. Is that right? And if we're children, then heirs. See, this is the thing, isn't it? We love being heirs, but actually I do think we need to become children first so that our heirship doesn't get tainted by just a, a kind of overzealous aggression. Love being like Jesus, but our hearts haven't been softened with the Father's love. Because when we're children, we realize, oh my goodness, we're children because of Jesus, who was the Son of Man, the Son of God. And he's the firstborn of a new family, a new humanity, as Paddy was talking about. And I'm counted within that. And because of that, where I am in God is exactly the same place as Jesus, seated in him at the right hand of the Father, on his throne, radiating glory, radiating power, radiating splendor. I get to sit there as a recipient of his love. And if I'm an heir with Christ, a joint heir with him, if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may be also glorified with him. Jesus never promised that the Christian life would be easy, but he did come to reveal the love of the Father to enable us to internally overcome in him whatever is going on externally. That was the change in Peter and John. That's why Peter was happy to be counted Peter was happy to be crucified upside down at the end of his life because he didn't count himself worthy enough to be crucified the same way up as Jesus. Oh my goodness. Not because he was trying to prove his, but because he was just like, wow, it is my privilege to suffer with him. My final key is turning away from comfort, dethroning comfort in our lives. So that we are lean and sharp. And if they crucify us upside down, then let us be counted in a veritable company of heroes of the faith who've not counted their lives worthy enough to look after, but have counted themselves as sons and daughters and heirs with Christ. It's an addiction to being comfortable that is our challenge in the Western world. You know, I was, I was so hit by, when I was training a bit for ministry, they would just bring missionary after missionary in, and they talk about what God was doing in the majority world, you know, in Africa, in Asia, in South America, in places where there was material lack. And in material lack, they hunger for God because they don't have many other options. And I was just like burning within. I was like, this is simple for us in the West. This is so simple. The only thing we need to not do is get addicted to material comfort. And we can burn like they did and like they do. But it, like, it creeps in, doesn't it? 
turning away, that we might, in our heirship with Christ, in our son and daughtership with him, be prepared to suffer with him, not internally, because we're full of joy unspeakable, like those first Christians Peter writes to, but externally, lives are laid down. You slay me to bits, you thrash me to bits, you write me as many letters as you want, I'm just going to love you in return. Because that's the love that is flowing through me. Is this right? Yeah. I think we're there. I hope that's really helpful. I'd love you to just do your homework with those steps and those keys. But what I'd love to do is just pray as we go for the Holy Spirit to just drive this home. And just going to work out how to do that <laughs> um, I hope that's been helpful you know just my own story is that I spent a lot of my life way too serious and intense dogged at times because I hadn't known the closeness and intimacy with father you know, I used to have a probably looking back maybe as a teenager young adult a slightly depressive bent to me and it's just intimacy with the Father which just released joy. Oh my goodness, joy. <laughs> you know, this is just what he's done in my life. And I just want to pray that he would just release closeness, however that is for you, a joy that will turn any mourning into dancing. That lightness and just his presence will fill our hearts and minds. So when we cry, Abba, Father, would you just know, Father, that you have our hearts. We declare we are not owned by our past. We are not debtors to the flesh. We're not addicted to comfort. We turn away from all of those things to be led by your spirit, to lay our lives down and to know you in your fullness, as you've won this for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, just in our hearts, just before we, before we wrap it up a bit going to sing sing that prophetic song a couple of times the first time from father to you and the second time from you to father from the Father again.
let's just sing that back to you. shared tomorrow in the coming days in Jesus name you'd speak to us you'd turn up the volume of your voice you'd give us pictures you'd show us scriptures you'd change our lives to walk with you father every day in step with you thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us you promise not to leave us orphaned to come to us. Amen. I think what I'm going to just ask the team to, uh, I think we're going to have a formal close, but I'm just going to ask the team to just worship over us. If you need to slip off, I think we're out of time. Um, But if you'd like to just, what I think I'm going to do is just ask um, uh, the team to play and what I'd like to do is um, making sure that we're distanced. So hard. I'd love to just have a fire love tunnel and all of that, but our time will come. <laughs> um, feel like that for the Church of Jesus, it's like we're, it's like a, the river of life's been dammed up for a season, <laughs> and it's backing up, it's backing up, and there's going to be a burst at some point. <laughs> But what I'm going to do is just say, if you'd like to, just as an act of walking into a deeper revelation of the Father's love, just as you go, I'm just going to just say, as they worship, just slowly just walk across the front and walk down this way and then go on your way and just do it as an act of walking into the Father's heart, walking into intimacy with him and we can't steward that so please just do that sensitively covid wise to anybody else um do slip off if you need to but just if you'd like to linger in his presence if you'd like to worship if you'd like to just just slowly um just walk across the front as a a, something saying i want to walk into your love then i just um leave that with you. The blessing of God Almighty. God Almighty, hear the truth here. God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May he rest upon your lives this day and forevermore. Amen. Chankton Bree, beautiful people, I love you all. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen.